Well, greetings, brethren, and welcome to another Wednesday night Bible study where we study God's word line upon line. And I just noticed my lighting isn't uh, on. Let me just turn that on. I'll be right back. Hopefully that makes a, a bit of a difference. And I apologize, I'm not in the studio. But uh, if you can just confirm in the chat that uh, at least you can hear me uh, clearly. Um, so that's the main thing that uh, I am coming across clearly. We are up to Isaiah chapter uh, 23. Uh, we were just moving along very, very nicely. We're up to chapter 23, and this actually ends the end of a section that began in chapter 13, beginning with the condemnation of Babylon. And now uh, a number of nations have been condemned, uh, including Jerusalem uh, herself. And then now chapter 23 will end with the condemnation of Tyre. And there is a pattern that uh, Isaiah is presenting to us. Let's open with a word of prayer, and then we can get into uh, tonight's study, chapter 23. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come before you, as is our custom, to thank you for this uh, incredible opportunity that we have to study the ancient text, the ancient church, in a world of uh, confusion and chaos. We have the light of your word. We can be confident, Father, in the future because we know you are actually controlling events here on earth. And we just thank you, Father, for the understanding and the insight uh, that you've given to us through your word it's a great privilege it's a great honor it's a great responsibility we thank you for it father and pray that you'll continue to bless us uh, through this journey together thank you lord we pray and ask all of this in jesus name amen so as i mentioned brethren we're up to isaiah chapter uh, 23 and what we want to do now is go through this text together just want to um, before we get into chapter 23 i just want to cover a couple of texts um, to go through just to give us context. And so we remember what we've covered so far. So first of all, let's not forget the narrative. So in uh, Luke 21 and verse 20, Jesus uh, prophesied that we shall see Jerusalem surrounded with armies. And we cannot understand what is going on in the earth today we cannot understand the confusion. Oh, I did say I was gonna to check to make sure that I'm coming through clearly. Let me just check and see. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Sister Jane and Sister Velma, loud and clear, wonderful. Um, we cannot understand what, the, the world just seems like it's unraveling. It seems very chaotic and very random and certainly uh, very uncertain. But if we follow the text of the Bible, we actually do understand what's going on. There is a reconfiguration of the earth and, and ultimately it's going to result in the destruction of Jerusalem. And so Christ tells us that when we see Jerusalem surrounded with armies, that's when we know that the desolation is near. And there is going to be an abomination that makes desolate. And all of this is gonna open up the final chapter of man's history before Christ returns. Now, when this, so, so Jerusalem is gonna be surrounded uh, by armies. And in Revelation one and verse seven, we see this, that Christ is going to come with clouds. So he's going to return with the clouds and every eye shall see him. Every human being, there's gonna be a lot of death. A lot of human beings are going to be slaughtered, but those who are alive at this time, every single eye shall see him. And also, which pierced him, his people. 
and he's actually returning to save his people. They're going to be surrounded, and he's going to come and give salvation to them. But this is very interesting in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 1. And all kindreds, or all the tribes of the earth, shall wail because of him. This is not a happy day. And then John says, even so, amen. Oh, well, that's just the way it's got to be. So this is not, the return of Jesus Christ is not a happy day. He's not coming to hug the whole earth. He is coming in fury. And these tribes, they have been so uh, seduced and so deceived that they actually think they're doing God's work by destroying his people. And Christ is coming to save his people. So let's keep this in mind. Jerusalem's going to be surrounded. That's when we know that the desolation thereof is near. And we will see when Christ returns, all these armies, all these nations that colluded together to destroy Judah, to destroy Jerusalem, to destroy Israel, to destroy the covenant community, all of them are going to be in terror when Christ returns. They will find themselves on the wrong side and they'll find themselves cursed. Now, all of this is unfolding according to God's plan. In Isaiah 46 and verse 9, he says to Judah, Remember the former things of old, for I am God. So Judah's confused. They've lost track of who their God is. And God is saying, hey, remember the past. Search the scriptures and understand what happened in the past, because I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Now, what makes God so unique? What attribute does he point to? To say of all the gods that people worship, what is it that you should know about me? that differentiates me from all these other gods, differentiates himself from the false gods, that he declares the end from the beginning. You can open up Genesis and you, you, know, you don't get very far before you understand the pattern, the seven-day Sabbath, and that's prophetic. You understand in Genesis 3, the, the prophecy that he gave to Eve uh, and to the serpent. Uh, all of this is from the beginning. It was declared. things that are not yet done. So again, we can search the scriptures and search the ancient text. And, and in there, we will find things that haven't happened yet that are given in detail. And there's no other God on anywhere that anybody worships that can do this. Only the true God can do this. And this is how he wants us to, to know him. Saying, my plans, the counsel that I have, the strategy that I've designed, it shall stand. And nobody can withstand it. Nobody can oppose it. Nobody can negate it. Nobody can neutralize it. Everything that he has written, everything that he has said, will come to pass. And I will do all my pleasure. And then we need to understand, well, okay, if he's going to do all this pleasure, what is his pleasure? Well, he goes on to explain what his pleasure is. In verse 12 of Isaiah 46, Hearken unto me, you stout-hearted. His covenant people are very stubborn that are far from righteousness. His covenant people are far from righteousness. The, the, the logic that we could point to their evil and say, therefore, they have God has nothing to do with them. This is faulty logic. God himself says they're far from righteousness, and he himself says he's going to save them. And this is his counsel. This is his pleasure. 
that he's chosen these people. And no matter what, he's going to show himself glorious through this people. So hearken unto me, you stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. I bring near my righteousness. I bring it near. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. When he says, I will do all my pleasure, when he says, my counsel shall stand, when he says, I've declared the end from the beginning, when he says, I've declared uh, that which is not yet done from ancient times, we need to understand these are not just poetic, very poetic, they are very poetic, but they're not just poetic words. They're powerful words. And they actually explain what God is doing in the earth. And so here it is. This, this is all we say, I will do all my pleasure. This is it. And this is how we have to interpret what's going on in the world around us so that we're not confused and we're not walking in darkness. And then in the next chapter, 47, he says, uh, or the people of God say, as for our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, the, the Lord of armies, Yehovah Zavuot, the Lord of armies is his name, the Holy One of Israel. This is who he is. This is how he identifies himself for all eternity. And this is what's happening in the earth. His people are earmarked for destruction. Simultaneously, his people are earmarked for salvation. And unless we understand this, we will be deceived. That's why Christ says, take heed that no one deceive you. It's going to look like I have forsaken the covenant people. But if we study Isaiah, we understand that when the abomination that makes desolate is set up, that's when finally his covenant people, the blindness, the deafness, the stubbornness will be removed and they will accept their God. So this is the narrative that we're tracking. Now, over the last few weeks, we have been studying um, from chapter 13, these, these oracles, these burdens that Isaiah has over various nations. And what I called your attention to, and I hope you remember this, is that all of these nations that are cursed are Islamic in the end time. And Isaiah's prophecies are dual. They had a very immediate application at the time that Isaiah was prophesying, you know, within a few hundred years at least, uh, or at the most I should say, these things would, would actually take place. But the language that Isaiah uses is, is clearly end time language and global language. So we know that these, these have a dual application. There was a local and near term application, but there was also a global and end time eschatological application. And so that's how we're understanding all of this. And what's fascinating is every single nation, only one exception, but every single nation except for one is Islamic in our time. So, and, and all of them are surrounding Judah and Jerusalem. They are the neighbors. So we have to identify where is Jerusalem. We have to identify Jerusalem geographically, and then we identify all her neighbors. And that's how we know what this, so this is a book, this is a prophecy in the end time about the Middle East, about the promised land. This is where God's focus is. And we, because we're, you know, primarily most of us are in the West and uh, primarily, you know, the, the, the gospel and, and the church is headquartered for the most part in North America. We tend to have a very North America centric view and we try to try to twist the Bible into our view and into this sort of European 
perspective, but if we just read it for what it says, it's Middle Eastern. It has to do with the promised land, and it has to do with the neighbors who are trying to remove Judah from the promised land. I said all of them except for one. All, all of the um, nations are cursed from chapter 13 to 23. Nation after nation is cursed. This burden, this oracle of cursing on these nations except for one. And the only exception is Judah. As God is condemning all these nations, the prophecy, this oracle of burden also on Judah. But that's the only exception. So um, Judah, Jerusalem, is going to be surrounded by armies. All these armies are cursed, <laughs> but so is Jerusalem. So is Judah. So let's just quickly remember what where we've been. Uh, chapter 13, we saw Isaiah say, this is the burden of Babylon, which Isaiah saw. In chapter 14, we then heard this, that Jehovah will have mercy on Jacob and will yet choose Israel and set them in their own land. It's a, it's a controversy over land. The, the covenant involves God, the people of God, and the land which God has chosen. We can never forget that this is a, this is a covenant that, that involves real estate. And so God is saying he will yet have mercy on Jacob, he will yet choose Jerusalem, and he will yet set them in their own land. This is the storyline. And strangers will be joined to them, and they shall cleave unto the house of Jacob. So that's what's going to happen. In chapter 15, then, we saw the curse on Moab. Again, Muslim countries are Jordanians. We saw as well in chapter 16 that God highlighted specifically the pride of Moab. But throughout um, Isaiah from chapter 1, we kept seeing this recurring theme of the pride of man. Even the covenant people are full of pride. Satan is full of pride. This, this is the fundamental uh, problem that must be resolved. And, and when Christ returns, only Christ will be exalted. Every other glory will be debased. And there will be only glory in Christ and who, who, and who Christ glorif glorifies. So we see here that the pride of Moab is an issue. He's very proud, uh, even his haughtiness and his pride and his wrath. Uh, and he's also deceptive. So again, we're going to see in the end time, these nations that surround Jerusalem are going to be full of pride and arrogance. They're going to be very haughty. They're going to see themselves as some sort of special human beings that are far above and, and mighty and, and higher than Judah. And they're going to despise Judah. And they're going to try to uh, enforce their glory on others. And Christ is going to come and destroy that. Then we saw in chapter 17, the burden of Damascus. This is uh, Syria. Uh, and think ISIS, that this is Iraq and Syria. Uh, these are, again, Islamic nations. And they're going to be destroyed. Then we saw in chapter 18, woe to the land shadowing with wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia. So these we see now as, as Ethiopia. And then chapter 19, the burden of Egypt. All of these are now Islamic nations. So Egypt is also cursed. And then in chapter 20, he says, And the Lord said, Like as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and a wonder upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptian prisoners and the Ethiopians' captives. So now we see that Assyria will rise up and destroy 
the king of the south of Egypt and, and Ethiopia. So they'll be destroyed by Assyria. But we also see that Assyria uh, will also come under condemnation. But in, in, in these condemnations as well, we saw some nations are completely destroyed, like Babylon. Others like Syria and Assyria, uh, they're not completely destroyed. They're going to, they're going to suffer incredibly but not be completely destroyed. Uh, in chapter 21, we saw the burden of the desert of the sea. This is another um, allusion to uh, Babylon. So there was a condemnation again on Babylon. Later in chapter 21, we saw the burden of Duma or Edom, again, Islamic nation. Later in chapter 21, verse 13, the burden upon Arabia, Islamic nations. So we saw a curse on Arabia. And then in chapter 22, the burden or the curse or the oracle of the Valley of Vision. This is now that we saw the curse upon Judah, upon Jerusalem. So all these Gentile nations are cursed, but so is Jerusalem. And all these Gentile nations are going to surround Jerusalem to curse Jerusalem. But as a result of cursing Jerusalem, going back to Torah, going back to Moses, uh, those Gentile nations that curse Jerusalem, they in turn, when, when God acts to redeem Jerusalem, they will be cursed. So all of that now brings us to chapter 23, which is the final section of this, or the final chapter of this section of curses on all these Gentile nations and on Jerusalem. And this final one is the burden of Tyre. So it starts with Babylon, which is uh, east of uh, the covenant people. And it ends in Tyre, which is west. It's right on the west coast. So this is right on the um, Mediterranean Sea. And today we would call Tyre Lebanon. Muslim, used to be Christian, but now Muslim nation. So these are the Phoenicians. Anciently, they were called the Phoenicians. Uh, today, we would call them uh, the Lebanese. Um, you know, in the first, second, third, fourth century, uh, centuries up until like the seventh century, these were, this was Christian nations. And then... Uh, even a little bit later after the seventh century, the Muslim hordes came in and just completely, you know, ramp rampaged and pillaged, and and now this is a, a Muslim nation, majority Muslim nation. All of these nations, we we cannot escape this. All of these nations are in the Middle East. All of these nations are neighbors to Jerusalem, and all of these nations are Islamic. So this is now the burden of Lebanon, the burden of Tyre. How? something horrendous has happened how you ships of tarshish and now tarshish uh, is most likely spain and so the phoenicians were a seafaring people they were always going up and down the mediterranean sea and trading with all kinds of nations and and spain was a very far-reaching nation that they would go and trade and come back so these are the phoenicians coming back from spain and they're being told as they're coming homeward bound to how something horrible something horrendous has happened for it is laid waste so that there is no house no entering in from the land of chittim it is revealed to them so chittim is most likely cyprus so as they're coming back from spain uh, the first land mass that they would see is the island of cyprus and from there they would be able to see uh, the land of tyre what we call lebanon today and so as they're on their way back something horrible has happened they're expecting its business as usual it's not now tyre is is like babylon it is also symbolic it has it has an incredible prophetic weight 
in the end time in our eschatology. So this tire in Ezekiel 28, a passage we're all familiar with, where God says to Ezekiel, son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyre. So now what we see and say unto them, thus says the Lord God, you seal up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And the passage goes on so that it becomes very clear that the king of Tyre is not just the physical king of Tyre, actually Satan is the true king of Tyre. So this nation of Tyre comes under incredible scrutiny prophetically because it's tied, like Babylon, to Satan himself, as we saw in uh, Isaiah 14. Now, back to chapter 23 and verse 2, again, speaking to who we would call the Lebanese today, but the people of Tyre. And again, remember, this has ancient fulfillment, but also eschatological fulfillment. Be still, you inhabitants of the isle, you whom the merchants of Zidon that pass over the sea have replenished. So lots of the Phoenicians were very uh, active. They were a mercantile people. They were always trading. They were merchants. And so the merchants of Zidon have helped replenish these people. And by great waters, the seed of Sihor, the harvest of the river, is her revenue. And she is a mart of nations. It's like, you know, today we have Walmart. Uh, we have Costco, we have these huge, or Amazon, we have these huge merchants that trade with everybody. And because of the traffic of their trade, they become very wealthy. Well, anciently, it was very similar for uh, this nation, that because of their seafaring ways and they would go and trade with everybody, uh, they were the mart of, everybody traded with them. And because of that traffic, they became incredibly wealthy. Be you ashamed, O Zidon. This is again part of Lebanon. For the sea has spoken, even the strength of the sea, saying, I travail not, nor bring forth children. Neither do I nourish up young men, nor bring up virgins. So some sort of catastrophe has happened to Tyre, and it, there's, there's no bringing forth. It, it's over. And as at the report concerning Egypt, so shall they be sorely pained at the report of Tyre. So the same way Egypt was destroyed and, and people were just completely astonished, uh, in the same way Tyre will be destroyed. Pass you over to Tarshish, howl you inhabitants of the isle. So again, it's, Tarshish would represent a very far post of their trade. And then the people are coming back there, stopping perhaps Cyprus on the way. And everybody needs to understand the devastation of this previously uh, great, great nation, very wealthy nation. Is this your joyous city whose antiquity is of ancient days? So Tyre is a nation that goes all the way back, all the way back. Um, and it was a joyous city. It was a very glorious city. Uh, the, the sort of thing that looks like it would never, you know, it, would, it would never collapse. It has a, you know, thousands and thousands of years history. It's glorious. It looks like it will just go on and on forever and ever. No. God has declared from ancient times that it would be destroyed. And so this is now the downfall of Tyre. Her own feet shall carry her afar off to sojourn. Who has taken this counsel against Tyre? The crowning city 
whose merchants are princes, whose traffickers are the honorable of the earth. Like, basically, how on earth has this happened? And who has caused this? How do you take a city that is so rich, that is so powerful, that is so glorious, and bring it down to nothing? How did this happen? And today, you know, if we were to think about our uh, time today, it's not exactly uh, analogous, but if you look at some of these uh, companies, these merchants today, like Google, like Amazon, like Facebook, they're incredibly wealthy because of their traffic. So many transactions, trading with everybody, that they've become so incredibly powerful, very similar. The difference is these, these um, merchants today are a couple of decades old, as opposed to Tyre was thousands and thousands and thousands of years old, going all the way back to Genesis. That would be the, the main difference. And then, of course, Tyre being a, a real country, these being companies, but you get the idea of how powerful merchants can become because of their traffic. And now the question is, so if, if Google suddenly collapsed, if, if and what, what is it, a fang? So Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, if these companies just suddenly collapse, suddenly and entirely, we would all be asking like, how has this happened? Who, who made this happen? So this is, this is such a glorious uh, nation that has collapsed that the question now the prophet is posing, who, who planned this? Now the answer, the Lord of hosts has purposed it. Remember he said his counsel shall stand. Nobody can withstand his counsel. Nobody can withstand his plans. And so the sooner we understand what his plans are, the sooner we can declare his plans, the more confidence God's people can have in the word of God and those whom he's calling can have in the word of God in a time of incredible chaos, turmoil, uncertainty, in, in all of this confusion, we can have absolute confidence. Why? Because God has purposed certain things and those things absolutely will come to pass. And we can go back thousands of years, even before Tyre was a nation, to see what God has purposed. And this is exactly what's happening. So who has, who has purposed the destruction of Tyre? The Lord of hosts has purposed it to stain the pride of all glory. There it is again. Throughout, so every, it's almost like this entire theme through Isaiah, man's pride. And now with the destruction of Tyre, God is zeroing in on the fundamental problem of man, the pride of man, the pride of the heart. So God has purposed this to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. So we're heading into a time now, I think it's becoming increasingly clear to us, that the dishonorable are honored. And the honorable, those who want to live by God's word, are dishonored, are dishonored. And we're living in a time where, where good is evil and evil is good. And so all these people that are going to be in great honor and great positions of glory uh, before Christ returns, they're going to be brought down. This, this upside down world is going to be turned right side up. And so God has purposed this to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth so that we would actually say these are the dishonorable people but they're very arrogant they're very proud they they have the the world by the tail 
they, they think that everything's going their way and they want everybody to bow down to them or bow down to their God and God is going to put an end to this. Pass through your land as a river, O daughter of Tarshish. There is no more strength. So again, they're coming back from their trade and they can go through the land. It's all gone. They, they left and the land was in this incredible position of glory. Now they're coming back. All the glory is gone. And so they can pass through the land. They will not find glory anywhere because God has done this. In fact, he says here in verse 11, he stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given a commandment against the merchant city to destroy the strongholds thereof. So, so Babylon is the source of the mystery religion. But Tyre is all about um, uh, commerce. And so together between Babylon and, commerce, uh, and Tyre, you have the mystery religion and you have the engine of wealth, uh, commerce. And so God has put an end to this to destroy the strongholds thereof. And he said, you should no more rejoice. It's over. O you oppressed virgin, daughter of Zidon. So Zidon again, another city in Lebanon today, part of Tyre. Um, you're now oppressed. You who were in glory, you who were oppressing others, you're now oppressed. And daughter of Zion, we can think sort of that Zidon, the, the end time um, Phoenician people or the end time, what we call Lebanon today, again, Islamic people. Arise, pass over to Chittim. And this is most likely Cyprus, just, just outside in the Mediterranean Sea, off the coast. There also shall you have no rest. So it do doesn't matter if you, if you leave the coast and go to the island, it, you can't escape this. This is the judgment of God, and he, he intends to bring down your glory. Behold, now, now look at, behold the land of the Chaldeans. So these are the Babylonians. Look at the Babylonians. This people was not till the Assyrian founded it for them that dwell in the wilderness. So it's the Assyrian that founded Babylon. So the, the source of Babylon, the root of Babylon, is the Assyrian. Uh, anciently, it was Nimrod who founded Babylon. But... Prophetically, eschatologically, the Assyrian is the focus. The, the Assyrian is the Antichrist. And, and the, the Jews who read the scriptures carefully know that their conflict in the end time will be with the Assyrian. And so Babylon gets its strength from the Assyrian. It's the Assyrian that founded it for them that dwell in the wilderness or in the desert. <clears throat> they set up the towers thereof. They raised up the palaces thereof. And he brought it to ruin. So again, we see this ancient, uh, anciently. Um, we can also imagine this. So, so in, in Isaiah's time, um, Babylon was destroyed, or he pro pro prophesied that Babylon would be destroyed by Assyria. Perhaps we can expect this. Most likely we can expect this in the end time. And so the Assyrian today is going to come out of Turkey. The land that we call Turkey is what we would anciently call Assyria. And, and Turkey wants to expand to, to recapture all of the land that they had anciently. And so he brought Babylon to ruin. So, so take note, O Tyre, take note of Babylon, how glorious she was, but she was brought to nothing by Assyria. So this is your future. Howl, you ships of Tarshish. So again, 
if we had lived anciently and just see all these merchant ships just constantly going up down the Mediterranean Sea and just um, creating this incredible wealth for Tyre, that's over. And it's replaced with howling. Howl, you ships of Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. And it shall come to pass in that day. So again, this is going to point to us eschatologically. But there's, a, there's an immediate fulfillment, and then there's an ultimate fulfillment. It shall come to pass in that day that Tyre shall be forgotten 70 years, according to the days of one king. After the end of 70 years shall Tyre sing as a harlot. So uh, this is the power of prophecy. God says, I'm different from the gods. People can worship whatever, whatever they want, but there's only one God who will actually predict the future and predict it in detail. So at the time of Isaiah writing this, um, Tyre was a, was a glorious city, uh, a glorious nation. And Isaiah is saying, you're going to be destroyed. And you're going to be destroyed in the time of one king. That one king is going to destroy you for 70 years. And at the end of 70 years, you will come back. And you'll begin to sing as a harlot. A harlot is just think uh, lots of traffic, lots of activity, and, and singing to attract the activity. So after 70 years, this is what's going to happen. Now, if we look at Ezekiel 26, Ezekiel 26, we'll see, and, and Jeremiah, we're going to see how this prophecy was fulfilled. In Ezekiel 26 and verse 3, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O Tyre, and will cause many nations to come up against you as the sea causes his waves to come up. And I was just looking at today that the, the, the lake and all of the, the wind and the waves just constantly coming and crashing with the shore. Uh, these nations are just going to destroy Tyre. And they shall destroy the walls of Tyre and break down her towers. So her glory is going to come crashing down. I will also scrape her dust from her and make her like the top of a rock. This is determined by God. It shall be a place for the spreading of nets in the midst of the sea, for I have spoken it, says the Lord God, and it shall become a spoil to the nations. And her daughters, which are in the field, shall be slain by the sword, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So that's all of that haughtiness, all of that arrogance is going to be replaced with humility and an acknowledgement that God is the Lord. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, remember um, Isaiah said in the, in the time of one king, for 70 years, uh, Tyre would be humiliated, and then at the end of the 70 years, they would be restored. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyre Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a king of kings from the north, with horses and with chariots and with horsemen and companies and much people, and he shall slay with the sword your daughters in the field. This is exactly what Isaiah prophesied. And he shall make a fort against you and cast a mount against you and lift up the buckler against you. And he shall set the engines or the weapons of war against your walls. And with his axes, he shall break down your towers. So all of that Ezekiel prophesied uh, in addition to what Isaiah prophesied. And now here, Jeremiah, the same prophecy. 
Behold, Jeremiah 25 and verse 9, Behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, says the Lord. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, so God raises up kings and brings them down and uses them to, uh, to advance his counsel, to advance his plan. And nobody can withstand it. Nebuchadnezzar was an extremely powerful king, but he was at the beck and call of God. And so he, he wouldn't realize it, but he's doing God's will. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment and a hissing and perpetual desolations. Moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth. So a very joyous city, lots of joy entire god is going to take this away i will take from them the voice of myrrh mirth and the voice of gladness the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride the sound of millstones and the light of the candle and this whole land shall be a desolation speaking of, of this, all these nations and an astonishment and these nations shall serve the king of babylon 70 years so all of these nations, including Judah, uh, but and including Tyre, we're going to see that Tyre is included in this as well, under the times of, this is what Isaiah prophesied. This is exactly what would happen. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished. So Isaiah said it would happen for 70 years. Now Jeremiah is saying, when 70 years are accomplished, that I will punish, then I will punish the king of Babylon. So he will, he will subject and subdue these people for 70 years. But at the end of that 70 years, then God will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, says the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the Chaldeans and will make it perpetual desolations. And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. And again, as we think eschatologically, the sword is definitely an Islamic weapon. So then they turn against each other and they fight each other. So this is something that we can expect to see. But dropping down all these nations that are, then I, God identifies all the nations by name. But in chapter 25 and verse 22, and all the kings of Tyre and the kings of Zidon and the kings of the isles, which are beyond the sea. So, all, so the, they are, Tyre is actually called out by name in this prophecy of the 70 year destruction of these nations, including Tyre. And that supports so both Ezekiel and Jeremiah are reinforcing the prophecy in Isaiah. Back to um, chapter 23 of Isaiah. In verse 16. Take a harp. Go about the city. You harlot that has been forgotten. Make sweet melody. Sing many songs that you may be remembered. So this powerful mercantile uh, city and nation, it was so glorious, was brought down to nothing, is now totally forgotten. And now, as the 70-year period is over, it's time for them to go about like a, an aged harlot, uh, singing, trying to drum up business, uh, try to drum up your business again, that you may be remembered. And then very, very interesting here in verse 17, and it shall come to pass after the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre. So he'll bring down Babylon and then he will visit Tyre. And she shall turn to her hire. So this is again this uh, 
mercantile. It's, it's like uh, this is in their DNA, DNA to do trade. So she's going to return to this traffic of trade. She shall turn to her hire and shall commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the earth. So again, Isaiah uses this language that we know there's, there, there's an immediate application of the prophecy, but then he uses language which is clearly eschatological and points to the time ahead of us, the end time before Christ returns. And so there's something about this nation of Tyre that is all about business. It's all about commerce. It's all about buying and selling and enriching oneself through buying and selling. And so Tyre will be restored to this. And it's like after being oppressed and destroyed for 70 years and then released from that oppression, they go right back into their fornication. And, and, and you know, all the nations, <laughs> this, is, this is not unusual behavior. Even the covenant people of God, you know, uh, we, when we were studying judges and we see how, you know, they're, they're so full of idolatry that God then punishes them. They cry out to God. He releases them from that punishment. And when they're released from that punishment, what do they do? They go right back into idolatry. So this, this nation of Tyre has been oppressed. It's been, it's suffered. It's been subjugated. And then God releases it from this oppression. What does it do? It goes right back into its fornication with all the kingdoms of the world upon the face of the of the earth so clearly tyre babylon which began in chapter 13 and now tyre which sort of ends this section these 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 nations babylon and tyre have have global impact and this one uh, through commerce and all the kingdoms of the earth are involved in this and this is language that should remind us of, of uh, chapter chapter 17 of the book of revelation uh, revelation 17 2 with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication the very language of isaiah and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication so she's allowed to do this in order for god's plan to be carried out so he carried me away in the spirit of the wilderness into the wilderness and i saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy having seven heads and ten horns and the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Again, language that's uh, alluding to Isaiah. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great. So here we see this merging of the language describing Tyre and the fornication of her commerce with Babylon. So Babylon began this whole section in chapter 13. Tyre ends it in chapter 23. All these nations, that including Jerusalem, but all the nations surrounding Jerusalem are called out for, for condemnation. Jerusalem herself is called out for condemnation. We know that God is going to save Jerusalem and Judah. But it's very, very interesting that the whole section begins with Babylon, ends with Tyre, and the language is now merged in Revelation just before, in the fulfillment just before Christ returns called Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and again, language from Isaiah 23, and abominations of the earth, and her merchandise and her hire, again, language from 23 of Isaiah, and her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness. Oh, sorry, this is, let's now sorry, go back. This is the last verse of uh, chapter 23. Very, very interesting prophecy here. So uh, Isaiah says that um, Tyre will suffer 
under Babylon. Then she'll be released. Her traffic will, she'll resume that traffic with all the nations of the world. But then in chapter 18, she goes back to her fornication with all the nations of the world. And then the chapter ends with this verse. And her merchandise and her hire shall be holiness to the Lord. So this prostitute, or this, this you know, woman of traffic who does transactions with any and everybody in order to enrich herself, that her merchandise and her hire, the wealth that she generates, will be holiness to the Lord. And we understand this. It shall not be treasured nor laid up, for her merchandise shall be for them that dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for durable clothing. So all this wealth that she is just so skilled in generating, all of this wealth is going to become holiness to the Lord. And all of this wealth is going to be inherited by those who dwell before the Lord. And we've actually seen this when we studied Isaiah, the second Isaiah in chapter 60, where God says to Judah, chapter 60, verse 4, lift up your eyes round about after she's come through all this suffering. Excuse me, the prophecy then is, lift up your eyes round about and see, look, look. They gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far. Remember, your sons have been scattered. They've been taken into captivity. They've been humiliated and degraded. Now your sons shall come from far, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and flow together, and your heart shall fear and be enlarged, because the abundance of the sea, and again, Tyre was about the traffic of the sea, the abundance of the sea, because the abundance of the sea shall be converted unto you. The forces are the wealth of the Gentiles shall come unto you. So this is what uh, Isaiah meant in verse 18 when he's prophesying that um, this traffic of this harlot and her merchandise will actually become holiness to the Lord. It's going to be transferred to the covenant people of God. And they're going to use it to facilitate the, the worship of God. So we're going to stop there uh, because beginning in chapter 24, we're entering into a new section. After all these nations are cursed and condemned, we're now going to begin to see how God is going to act in the end time. So very, very fascinating. Again, I just want to remind you, the theater, all of this is happening in the Middle East. And so Christ instructed us to watch, specifically to watch Jerusalem and everything that's happening in the earth today. The, the narrative is that Jerusalem is coming under condemnation. And then Jerusalem shall be saved. And the Gentile nations that persecuted Jerusalem, they will come under condemnation. God differentiates himself by his word. He is the only God that can predict the future, that can predict it in detail, and it will come to pass exactly as he has said. Let us hang on to God's word. Let us remember that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
He is, he is no name is above the name of Christ. The Father, the Father has given him a name above every name. Every knee shall bow to him. We shall do so joyously. Others will do so uh, even if they have to howl and wail because of him. What a mighty God we serve. God bless you, brethren.